Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and welcome to this first QMS podcast of 2022. I'm Mark Stephen. In this series, we're going to be focusing largely on animal health, how to maintain it, how to improve it. Now, good health doesn't necessarily mean using more medicines. In fact, if you set things up right, the reverse can be true. Ailey Corr is an animal health specialist with QMS. She's a vet who's worked in mixed practice in the north of Scotland, predominantly in beef and sheep. Tim Geraghty is a veterinary specialist, a farm animal vet, and a recognised specialist in bovine health and production in the UK, and a diplomat of the European College of Bovine Health Management. His current role with SRUC is as manager of the Aberdeen Disease Surveillance Hub at Crabston. He's got a particular interest in preventative medicine and health planning in beef and sheep systems, and one of his current projects is in looking at improved support for effective health planning for farmers and their vets. Firstly, thank you both very much for agreeing to speak to me. Thanks for having us, Mark. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. No, it's nice of you to give us the time. Start with you, Ailey. You came into the role with QMS last September. What does it involve? Oh, that's a good question. Um, People who've asked me this before, I've said, well, it's quite a big elephant to eat. So my, my role is a new one, and I'm working within the industry development team in QMS. So our focus really is on on trying to support the red meat sector in Scotland and my role in particular focuses on how we can use health and welfare to do that. There are a huge range of things, as I'm sure you can imagine, that, that come into this because health and welfare underpin just about everything in the red meat sector. If you don't have healthy animals, they're not productive animals. Um, we need healthy animals for them to be efficient so that businesses are economically viable and, and so that they have a, a you know, a, we produce a good product that has a minimal impact on the environment as well. So it's a really broad remit. But I have got quite a few projects on the boil now, and I'm also working quite closely with our brands integrity team who administer the standards because there's obviously a lot of natural overlap between those two things. So very broad remit, fingers in lots of pies, but a really interesting role, very much so. So you're not going to get bored anytime soon? I don't think so. I won't be idle. I won't be idle. I wouldn't have thought so. We're going to be talking predominantly in this podcast about animal health planning. Now, farmers have always been interested in their animals' health, Tim. So what what is animal health planning? How do you define it? What makes it different? I think you're spot on. I think farmers are always trying to improve stock health generally. And it's a continuous, ongoing, everlasting process for those of us that are sort of stockkeepers and making our livelihoods from production animal systems. So health planning is really a process that just tries to formalise that slightly. So that sort of ongoing everlasting process, let's just try and define more precisely what it is. And in doing that, bringing it more into sharp focus, hopefully what that does is it it helps us to prioritise tasks more effectively, to see where gains can be made more clearly, and just really help in that ongoing task of improvement. Ailey, how do you go about doing that for a start? What are the opening stages? Well, I think... There's lots of different answers to that question, Mark, because one of the things I always try and emphasise about health planning is that good health planning is bespoke. It's specific to the the farm that you're dealing with. So it might look very different 
from one farm to another because there might well be different goals. So, for example, if someone's just starting out on health planning, you know, it's a completely blank slate. It might be a case of perhaps reviewing the year that's gone by and perhaps identifying some specific issues that were felt to be problems on the farm or, or perhaps the, you know, the animal keepers got some some issue that they feel they could improve on somewhere they feel they could make a make a difference um, and then once you've identified that starting point I think that's when you have that discussion with your vet ideally to try and establish where you're at now where you could reasonably get to and what steps you could take to get you there and I think my emphasis for people starting from scratch is very much to to be focused to not try and do too much at once it can very quickly get overwhelming if you do that so I think finding the problem that can most benefit that person going for some easy wins is is where I would start. Yeah, it's part of the focus here, Tim, trying to make the the beasts less dependent on veterinary medicines. Definitely, I, I really appreciate that point you made there in your introduction, Mark. I think that is exactly right. We are all responsible for how we use, and in particular, antimicrobials. You know, antibiotics. I think most of us now very well aware that in our own healthcare systems that we're concerned about the growth of uh, bugs that are resistant to antibiotics. And essentially, whether you're a cow or a human or a dog or a cat, it doesn't matter. The less antibiotics we put out there, the less antibiotic resistant bugs we have to deal with. So a big part of health planning, whether it's formalized in a, in a written plan or just what you do anyway, should always be to, to try and reduce your, your reliance or your use on antibiotics. There's other health products, of course, that can be increased during a health plan, and, and, and vaccines are a great example of that, where we modulate the animal's immune system to make them more resilient to disease. And, and I guess, you know, we're, we're really up to date just right now about the effectiveness of vaccines. We've seen that firsthand through this, uh, this recent pandemic. So a health plan, you know, it can change how we're using medicines, maybe moving away from treatments and more into preventative actions. We're not really talking here, though, really about a snapshot in time. Ideally, you're looking at the, the health of a flock or a herd across a year or several years, better still. Absolutely. I, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I actually think that's one of the things that people can sometimes feel quite daunted by, because often you might say, well, I, I feel like the survival of my lambs isn't great and, and I, I, could, I could do better there. But if records aren't really robust enough that you can look back over a few years, it, it seems really difficult to know where to start. So a health plan becomes something that you build on year in, year out, but it's also something that should be flexible. And it's something that will be a living document if it, if it takes the form of a document, which it, it, it has to from the point of view of our standards, but, but should actually be much more than that. And I think it, it should be something that is movable and changeable and dynamic and is something that is reviewed as you go forward. So if things change, if there are particular weather conditions one year, for example, that might change the risks that your animals face, then that's time where you can have a quick check in with your vet perhaps and discuss uh, uh, whether a change in tactics is required. So yes, it's useful to sit down probably at least once a year and review where you're at, but it should be something that is a, a rolling activity, not something that just happens once a year and gets put in a drawer. Strange, Tim, because time after time in these QMS podcasts, we come back to this idea that the importance of good record keeping. In your experience, how good are farmers at it? I mean, I've, 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 again, I'm possibly making a wild assumption here that the big boys are probably very good at it and the small boys not quite so good. 
Um, well, that that might be true. I think I think it's it's more varied than that. To be honest, it doesn't always just go with with herd size or land base or anything anything like that. I think some of us are naturally inclined toward it. And I would say this is not true just of farmers. I think if you look at just people in, in all walks of life, some people are very diligent about keeping careful note of what they're doing and keeping records. And then other always are a bit more haphazard and just take the next challenge as it comes. So, so it, it's, it's deeply embedded in our nature, probably in that variation. You just see that on farms as well. Some of us are naturally inclined towards it and other always always find it just a taxing thing to do and something they kind of put off and put off until they're until they're forced to so we definitely that variation it is important record keeping and, and as you said before you know reviewing last year or the previous year's performance both of those are, are are really core concepts but i would probably argue that neither is as important about just planning ahead let's just if we don't have great records from last year or we can't quite remember or you know it would take us a long time to figure that out we could spend an awful lot of time there, but really where our, most of our effort, most of our time should be spent is on next month and next season and, and you know, the calving that's just coming up or the lambing that's just coming up. The only place a health plan can really add value is in the future. It's ahead of us. We can learn from the past, so we'll look at it, but it's definitely there in the future. Just out of curiosity, how far can you plan ahead? Well, a great question. I think a year is a task for anybody. Who knows what where will be this time in January 23? You can set targets for a year. I could say, well, I'd really hope that I'm going to produce this or manage that. But really detailed planning, I think we're, we're limited to weeks and months, probably sort of three, four months feels like a good ballpark to me. So for, for a detailed health plan, probably that length of time. And that comes back to Ailey's point there about continuously revisiting. We have no idea yet what grass growth will be like this spring. And that's going to have a really major impact on health of livestock and how we should set our set our stock up and whatnot. And so we can't really make a detailed plan for that yet, but we can revisit that nearer the time once, once we're aware of where we're at and, and plan accordingly. So yeah, probably three, four months feels like a good amount of time. None of us live in an ideal world, Ailey, but I mean, if we were in an ideal world, what role would the farm vet play in this process? Great question. All for an ideal world. Um, I, th- <laughs> I, think, um, I think really the vet's role has to be a supportive one. I think historically vets have perhaps tried to lead with the health plan as a way of trying to entice a farmer to to tackle a particular problem or or to make particular changes. But I think we can all identify times where somebody external has tried to get us to to do something we don't, you know, we don't necessarily see the value in or, or, or feel we would benefit from. So I guess here where the vet could have most impact actually is is sitting down with the farmer on a on a level footing and just saying, right, what what do you want to improve on? What do you think you could make gains in? And, and then supporting them to achieve that. And I think there's there's definitely room for a bit of debate, a bit of to and fro about what we should be focusing on and, and what we want to focus on. They're not always the same thing. But I think the vet can definitely have a role in, in opening up the farmer's eyes to what opportunities there are, what options there are. And even, you know, I could give examples of, of vets that are helping farmers benchmark against similar holdings to help them get a feel for where they are uh, against amongst their friends so I, th- I think the vet's role is a supportive one um, but it should in many cases particularly where there are disease issues uh, on a farm be pretty integral to an effective health plan yeah it's an interesting one that though because 
you are assuming a level of trust between farmer and vet. You're assuming a level of knowledge in the vet, which may or may not exist, depending on the you know how junior they are or how senior they are. Tim, you know, it's if th- those are factors that would have to be sort of worked in. Yes, I'd say so, and and I would I would firmly be in the camp that says the the, the farmer needs to lead this the the this process. The the person who's really out to gain from this, you know, and and economically, but just in the, you know, we all feel better when we're working with healthier, more profitable stock. So the person that really gains from it is the farmer. And and further, these plans, they always end up in specific actions. So next week, I'm going to do this. The week after that, I've got to remember to do that. The person who carries those actions out and really makes the difference is always the farmer. So for me, it's always farmer led, for sure. And your point about, well, where is the relationship with your own vet at that point? That, that's a fair one. That does come and go. It takes time to build that up. Both Ailey and myself have been in practice and we know that it's difficult as the new vet in the scene because nobody knows you. They're not sure who you are. They're not sure what you're like. And that just takes time. And that's really a normal part of life. And allowing the, the vet to get to know your business better is, is a huge part. And I think the last thing I'd say is that the vet doesn't have an answer book for perfect herd health uh, you know it's not as though we are, we are holding all the cards here and we can tell you exactly how to do it it's a it's a collective learning process for both of us to go on together the farmer should lead it but the vet's there to help this move as quickly as possible now what the vet will always bring is that specialist knowledge of disease processes and risk factors for disease and and how pathogens work now that's invaluable most farmers probably don't have that specialist knowledge so they should drive this thing, but the vet will always be able to bring that, albeit that it does take time to build up that trusting relationship where they really know your system well. You know, the vet really knows exactly what you're trying to do. That that will always take a wee bit of time. Could I just add to that, Tim? I think thinking, reflecting on those those difficult times when a new vet's trying to, to get to know a farm client, it can actually, health planning can actually be a fantastic opportunity because it is a chance to sit down with a cup of tea, hopefully in non-COVID times, when you aren't trying to calve a cow at three in the morning or, or you're not dealing with a, a disaster of some sort. And it's a really good opportunity actually to get to know each other a little bit better and develop that relationship without those more immediate pressures. So I think it's definitely not to be overlooked, that plus point for sure. Animal health planning has been included in the new cattle and sheep standards. Are all farmers aware of that fact? Um, And whether they are or not, will it have an impact on day-to-day farming, do you think? Well, I think think most of our members should be aware of, of this because the health plan requirement has been in place for many years within the standards. But what's new is that we, we now ask for veterinary input into the health planning. So the, the health plan that's in place should have been reviewed and signed off by, by a vet. And that's to keep us in line with, with other schemes such as Red Tractor and, and with the general direction of travel. Um, we introduced the veterinary involvement at the last review of our standards, but a dispensation was made in this requirement just to give a bit of time for these changes to bed in and, and give everyone time to prepare. So when our latest standards go live this coming spring, it will be mandatory to have veterinary involvement with all health planning. Our members will all get information on that, though. Uh, we, as, as well as those communications, we do plan to hold some information workshops, COVID allowing, uh, to engage with members about the changes that are upcoming and, and to really try and explain the benefits to health planning and the rationale behind including it in the, the standards. But in terms of will it, will it have an impact on farming practices, 
I think I would just go back to my point about emphasising that it should be bespoke. It should not be a one-size-fits-all thing. It is an opportunity for everyone to review their business, review any issues that they're having and, and tackle those issues in a, in a strategic way. And every farming business, none are perfect. There's room for improvement everywhere. Some places have more room for improvement than others. But it is widely agreed to be a positive thing to undertake. And, and farmers that have been doing it for, for some time are, are often real advocates for it because they've seen the evidence of benefit for themselves. So I, I would hope that, that this does, for many people, not change things. Many of our members will be doing this already and it, it won't be anything new. But for those who are venturing into it for the first time, I, I really hope that they will feel the benefit of it in years to come. We've said several times, Tim, that this is, it has to be a bespoke process. It will vary by farm to farm, you know, depending on the herds and the flocks and you know, the terrain and the past history and everything else. Is there a like a blueprint or a playbook for, for animal health planning that, that could be universally applied, but, you know, obviously with necessary modifications? Yeah, I think I think there are. There's some really good ideas out there as to how you could structure this process. Um, probably a, a, an important point to make is that m- most assurance schemes, including QMS, would have stipulated, you, you, you know, A, B, C, and D, you need to have these elements in your health plan. So a biosecurity plan, an antibiotic review, a treatment record, and a treatment plan. You know, that, so there's fundamental components that just have to be there, and that makes sense, and those, those cover some really important bases. But in terms of then moving that on to say, well, let, let's make this dynamic and continuous and something that I don't just look at once a year, I think a really good place to start is to visualize a circle, four points in a circle going around in a, in a circuit. And we would start the circuit by setting very clear targets, very specific targets. This is what I want my flock to do this year. That's point one. The next point is I'll risk plan ahead. As we've said, three or four months at a time, right? What's going to stop me achieving my target in the next three months? And what can I do about that? That would be point two. So your risk plan ahead. Point three would be we monitor then and we can get lost in data on farm these days. There's so many different apps and scales and scanners and just make sure you're recording to know if you hit your target or not. That's all we really care about. So we we set a specific target. Now we're going to know, did I hit that target or not? That's what the monitoring is about. And the last thing is a review step. So the fourth thing to complete our circle, we're going to review and say, right, Did I hit the target? Yes, that's great. If I didn't, that's really no problem. It's not failure to not hit a target. It's failure to not learn from that. So if I didn't hit the target, I need to figure out why. And then that's where I'll improve on next year. And that completes our circuit. So that sort of cycle process, four points, is probably a a really good model, a really robust model to have in our minds. And then you make that bespoke to all those different systems that are out there and all those different goals that are out there. But that generic circle maybe works quite well. I'm just trying to imagine as a non-farmer here, really, that would this have even been possible 30 years ago, you know, pre-digital, pre-EID? You know, we we have, or farmers have such improved access to information now, you know, in in a fairly clear and well laid out way. This is now doable in a way that potentially three decades ago it wouldn't have been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think three decades ago you you could you could have done health planning, but I think your ability to measure your progress really would would be less. You're absolutely right. I think that access to data 
is very, very helpful, but it can often put people off as well. And I think I think Tim's right, you know, when he refers to all of, all of the, the data can be quite overwhelming, really. But uh, I think once you've focused on something that you want to tackle, it becomes much more meaningful to you. And then at that point, you can think, right, what data sources could I have that could actually inform me and help me understand Am I hitting this target? Where where am I where am I falling down? So yes, the, there's lots available to us now that we can make use of, and it it doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, you you can you can look at very high level figures in terms of weights of animals that you sell. You can look at things like animal movements. There are lots of things that vets can look at that don't necessarily involve lots of extra recording on the part of of the farmer. But once those goals have been identified, gathering that extra data might be might be something that the farmer becomes very motivated to do because there's an immediate benefit to them. And, and you're right, the amount of technology available to help us do that, apps that can just be in your pocket all the time uh, is fantastic and definitely makes makes this much more accessible. And again, I get the impression, Tim, that things like supermarkets are going to become increasingly interested in provable health record for things like herds. Oh, oh, definitely, yeah, and 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 you know they 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 have a mixed reputation in farm in, in farming communities, as you know, um, you know, good and bad. But we would have to say that in in terms of them wanting to demonstrate to the consumer that these standards are being met, and and that you know this this produce is coming from very high health, high welfare systems. They have championed that cause, and 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 will want to make that measurable and demonstrable to their customers, who ultimately are our customers, the consumer that are buying our products. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's right. Interesting times. Tim Geraghty in Ailey Core. Thank you both very much. Thanks for your time, Mark and Tim. Great. Thanks all. Thanks for the invitation. If you've just discovered this QMS podcast series, it is still possible to access previous episodes. We've been on the go now for nearly two years, so there's a fairly extensive back catalogue of subjects and contributors that you might find interesting. I hope you found this one useful. Uh, I'm Mark Stephen. Until the next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.